Good afternoon again, everybody. Um, so we are in the process of going through a new series. And this new series, I'm really excited about, but I'm absolutely terrified about. Um, if you could just turn this mic down again just a little bit for me, please. Um, yeah, as excited as I am, I'm terrified. Because, I'm, like Pastor E talked about stepping out of the boat, if you're here at the beginning of the service. And I, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm stepping out the boat. I mean, to say that's a lot for me is an understatement. Um, you'd have to know me personally, those of you that do, you know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I kind of like to be in control. If I'm not in control, then I lose my mind slightly. So, I've stepped out the boat. <laughs> Hopefully, things will make a little bit more sense in a minute. If you were here last week, you, I, I gave good rationale for kind of where I'm at. But to summarize it, um, I'm, we're teaching, uh, I've taken the, the responsibility to, to, to teach a series in the Psalms. And um, the, the, the series is called Prayer, Poetry, Prophecy, and Praise. And um, <clears throat> this week, we're looking at... <laughs> We're looking at particularly poetry, and I've titled this, this message, Powerful Poetry, <laughs> and that for a reason. Would you join with me as, as we pray? Father, thank you for the fact that you are multifaceted in your being. Lord, we live in a it's, it's incredible to live in a three-dimensional world. I mean, we, 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 we have two-dimensional drawings that are amazing, but then to move from two dimensions to three dimensions is, is literally stepping into another dimension. Yet, Lord, we get the impression that you live in a sphere of multiple dimensions. And um, I'm asking, Lord, that you might just help us to understand how even your word is multidimensional, and um, Lord, that we would really benefit from that, especially as we look at the poetic side, Lord, of your word today. I do ask that you'd open the eyes of our understanding in the name of the Lord Jesus, Father, and for his sake, and for our benefit. Amen. Amen. Powerful poetry. <clears throat> now, last week, we looked at um, a brief introduction to this amazing book. And I say amazing, underlined in bold. And um, we said that chapter 1 and chapter 2 of the Psalms are a gateway that leads into the book. Um, would that, do you think that might work? Huh? Yes, please. Yes, please. Thank you, Bertrand. Sorry, how long was you there trying to flag me down, bro? Sorry, bro, this is editing for you now. Um, probably just back it off a little bit because I tend to raise my voice slightly. So, yeah. Thank you so much. Amen. Can you guys still hear me quite clearly? <clears throat> so, we said that Psalm 1 and 2 were an introduction to the whole book. They're like two massive pillars that stand. Um, as the entrance or the gateway into the Psalms. And um, huh. we want to run through that gateway into the rest of the Psalms, but 
just before we run right through, you know what I mean, let's just have another look at these two pillars, and really more specifically, one of the pillars, um, kind of considering chapter one. And um, <clears throat> today I'd like for us to consider, as I mentioned, the poetic nature of the Psalms in a little bit more detail. Now this will, this will hopefully form a solid base upon which you, you and I can build upon over the next few weeks, but also the coming years as you continue to read through the Psalms, because it's going to take years for you to rinse out the Psalms. Trust me. You know what I mean? And you believe me like more by the time we get to the end. <clears throat> so much in here. And um, so I mentioned last week, and this is why this is terrifying. I mentioned last week that I'm on a little bit of a journey, you know what I'm saying, as I've been experiencing the book of Psalms. And, 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 I, and I mentioned that I had two choices, choices. I had a series already done that I could have taught. But because of Pastor E and the challenge of, you know what I'm saying, kind of walking a bit closer to the Lord and doing stuff that's maybe a bit edgy and you know, stepping out the boat, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I thought, okay, this is what's on my heart. This is kind of where I'm at. And what I've done, a bit maybe unfairly, I've, in, I've invited you into a little bit of my journey currently. <clears throat> you know what I'm saying? Bertram said, it's all right. Praise the Lord. And uh, like you had a choice anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know what I'm saying? But, huh. poetry. One of the things I did to myself brutally was, I said, you know what? I'm really going to push myself. Not only am I going to try and prepare this new series and teach it on the fly, you know what I mean? But also, I thought I'm going to try and summarize every session that I do by writing a rap. Now, if, like, now, now I haven't written for years. I say years. Apart from little incidental things, but nothing serious and constructive. And I'm not even suggesting that this is. But I tried to write something. I tried to stick to my commitment to myself and say, right, I'm a, I really stretched myself. And I thought, right, I'm going to write. I'm trying to summarize like last week. Now, it's not a complete summary. And I really aimed at only writing eight bars. But I actually went a little bit further. Um, whether, it was, whether it was worthwhile or not, you, you'll be able to tell me in a minute. But I'm kind of, here goes. So there's a hook. I never even meant to write a hook. So, and, and forgive my pronunciation and my diction because it's not tight yet. Literally, I wrote this yesterday. It's fresh out of the oven. Like. <laughs> so here's the hook. Through this book, you'll be amazed. It's filled with prayer poetry, prophecy, and praise by songwriters and ancient teachers. It's, da it's David's solo album plus features. God's king, he's appointing, messianic anointing, therefore there's rejoicing, an overwhelming emotion, and straight lament, helping you and me to repent. I heard about the Psalms ever since I was a kid, but I'm dealing with a book that I'm far from familiar with. I wouldn't go as far as setting off alarms, but tackling the Psalms has left me with sweaty palms. This ain't something that I'm used to, but God's the producer, and I'm reading commentaries by Luther. We keep it simple, no frills. <laughs> so does the hills. You know that God's people got skills. He makes me lie down in fields of green, gently handling my headphones and noise cancelling, always eating at his restaurant. The Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. 
Who would have thought a new school started by we? TLG. And clearly we should, right here in the hood, transforming lives for good. Regarding the EU, is Britain going to exit? What's the deal with Brexit, single market, customs union, the backstop? Anyone understand the plan? Are you with the ERG, the DUP, May or Corbyn? This thing's getting boring. Far from simple and plain, it's confusing my brain. Are we going to leave or remain? Unilateral dissent, done the argument. The Psalms speak about God's government, and it's the real thing we hold to. Hold me and hold you. Yo, just press and go true. The world's a war zone, it's going down, but in the world's a war zone, it's going down, but God in his grace, he put boots on the ground. It's Titanic, and we're the crew. We do what we do, even if we just save a few. Roadman, back it for the shank. Roadman, back it with the shank and the tech. What the heck? We'll take it back to the techs. No need to fear. Even though it might be the death of me, we're carrying heavier weaponry. Lifting morale. It's battle royale. And only one man left standing, saving civilians and rescuing the poor on his own. Captain Jesus, Captain Christ won the war. He said that the Psalms speak about him, and there's no doubt in the mountains and the fresh fountains. It's deep like the ocean, filled with real, raw emotion, coming like a secret potion. It's poetry in motion, like Nivea night lotion, enhancing your morning devotion. It's the Psalms, you know. Talk about a personal trainer. When it comes to good health, I'm out here trying to inspire myself. The next life is everlasting, but this one is passing, hence intermittent fasting. Don't try poo-pooing it. I've personally proven it. You need to Google it. You come across man you never heard, like Michael Mosley, Jason Fung, and Dr. Berg. Reduce your fatty liver, gain health, and set your life straight. As a byproduct, you lose weight. You're fearfully and wonderfully made by God's design. Psalm 139. Okay, I hope you're feeling it. And God is well, he's revealing it through the preaching. We're only two weeks in and the journey's just begun. Please open up with me to Psalm 1. Through this book. Now, now as I said, that was... That was far from for your benefit. If anything, it was for my benefit. And one of the reasons I've done that, and I'll come back to it, is because I'm really hoping that this series is going to inspire you. You know what I'm saying? It's only eight weeks, seven weeks left in it. But, you know what I'm saying? Especially if you're arty. Anyway. Poetry. Poetry. How many of you know the Bible is made up of 66 books? Not all of the books in the Bible are the same. They all fall into different, what they call genres. You've got narrative, right? Kind of like story. You've got epistle, which is what? A letter. It's like me writing you a letter. You've got apocalyptic, kind of like end time stuff. And then you've got poetry. So, so whenever you approach the Bible, you need to be aware of this. That is these different genres. And in his commentary, how to read the Psalms, a guy called Tremper Longman, he presents this example um, from a book called Genre by a lady called Heather Dubrow. 
And I've got here an excerpt, right? So Tremper Longman wrote the, the commentary, and in the commentary, he quotes this lady, Heather. What, go on, Fred? He quotes this lady, right, Heather. Now watch this. Here's, here's the excerpt. Remember, I'm trying to help us as we approach these psalms. Now, <clears throat> this excerpt is called what? Murder at Maplethorpe. Now listen to this excerpt. The clock on the mantelpiece said 10.30. As the figure of the dead woman lay on the bed in the front bedroom, a silent figure glided rapidly from the house. The only sounds to be heard were the ticking of a clock and the loud wailing, like outside, of an infant. Now, while reading this, you should be asking yourself some questions, right? One of the questions is, who's the dead woman, right? And how did she die? Is that fair? Who's the mysterious silent figure leaving the house? Why is the infant crying? What is the significance of the time? Well, the title of the piece is the big clue. What kind of, what kind of genre is this? And it, thank you, somebody. Murder mystery. Amen. Murder mystery. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> the dead woman is probably the murder victim. Fair? The mysterious silent figure leaving the house, who would you say that is? The murderer, the killer, right? The crying infant is the terrified, devastated, motherless child of the murdered woman, right? And the significance of the time, it marks, if you like, the probable time of the murder. Does that make sense? Is that fair? Okay. Let's not erase that title, right? The title of that piece, and let's give it a, a different title. Right, let's call it now the personal history of David Maplethorpe. The genre, if you like, has changed. It's changed from murder mystery to what? Thank you, biography. Now, when you ask yourself the same questions, right, of the very same text, you know, you come up with different answers. Since biographies normally open up with the birth of the hero... It's more likely that the crying infant is the newborn baby that is David Maplethorpe, right? Being carried screaming out of the house by the mysterious silent figure who is the midwife. Rushing the baby to hospital. The dead woman is the mother of the baby who died at childbirth. And the significance of the time, well, it's a... It's the time of the baby's birth. Genre. It determines the reading strategy of the text. Now, if you think, if you think the brief extract is a murder mystery, you read it one way. But if you think it's a biography, you read it another, right? Different genres, narrative, story, epistle, letter, apocalyptic. It's like you don't read the book of Daniel or the book of Revelation and read, raw, beast with seven heads. It must be literal. Come on now, right? You're not expecting to see no beast with seven heads. I mean, some people are, but <laughs> you know that that ain't the right interpretation. You know what I mean? 
<clears throat> you don't take it literally. And, and, and similarly, when it comes to poetry, right? Poetry often is metaphoric. That's why I gave you the example, right? And here's an excerpt, right, from what I gave you, right? He makes me lie down in fields of green, gently handling my headphones are noise cancelling. Now, they never had noise cancelling headphones in Psalm, when Psalm 23 was written. I got some. You got some. <laughs> I hope you ain't got them in now, bruv, because if you have, you won't be able to hear me. You know what I mean? But you can see like, the, picture of, of the, the, the picture that's being painted by that psalm, you know what I'm saying, is just one of, one of it's painting a, a, a scene of serenity. So you can understand how you want to, in that scene, it's just grass is green and quite, you just put your headphones on and you're gone somewhere else, right? Always eating at his restaurant. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Can you see how the use of metaphor can expand the meaning of that which you can only see on the surface if you just take a casual glance at it? You know what I'm saying? It's a modern day take, if you like, on Psalm 23. That's the power of metaphor. Now, I don't know if you heard it, you know what I'm saying? And some of you wouldn't. And this is what's really interesting about the Psalms or even any book in the Bible. Sometimes you need background. You need added information for you to really get what, it's, what it means. You know what I mean? So I might have said, yeah, road man, I back it with the shank and the tech. What the heck? We'll take it back to the text. No need to fear, even though it might be the death of me, we're carrying heavier weaponry. Now, if you don't know anything about the context of, from which I've drawn that, then it might not mean much sense to you. But if you know the context, then that makes a lot of sense. You know what I'm saying? And oh my gosh, I mean, this is the one that was making me doing backflips. Like, often kind of like when I write, and if you do, if you're, any of you guys write material, whether it's kind of rap or poetry or... <clears throat> Do you ever write something and you, you write it and you take a step back? You look at it and you think, wow. I mean, the only reason I would do that is not because I think I'm great. It's because every time I try to write something, I'm on my knees saying, Lord, please help me to write something that's constructive. And I looked and I thought, wow. This, ver this, 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 this bar here, this lyric, lifting morale is battle royale. There's only one man left standing. How many of you know what that means? Oh my gosh, no wonder I never got no response. <laughs> I know there's a couple people that know. All right. Um, what's the name of the game again? I forgot. Fortnite. All right, most of the old, if you're over 40 or 50, you, you might be like, Fortnite, what, two weeks? What's that got to do with anything? <laughs> so there's this game called Fortnite that a lot of young people, a lot of adults are playing. You know what I'm saying? And, the fun, and basically this game... Um, I think the fundamental game, the game that I'm familiar with anyway, is called Battle Royale. And you kind of get dropped into this war zone and you have to fight against other people. And the way you win the game is you're the, you have to be the last man standing. You know what I mean? Now, again, <clears throat> saving civilians, rescuing the poor on his own, Captain Christ won the war. It's talking about the fact that Jesus, when he did what he did, he did it in, in only the way that he could. No one else could. I mean, people, we had, we had, had 4,000 years of different individuals coming, you know what I'm saying, and no one could do what Jesus did. And 2,000 years since that time, no one ain't been able to do 
what he did. He's completely unique. He's, like, he's, the only, he's, the last man, he's the only man standing in that sense. Does that make sense? Metaphor. So when you come to the Psalms, when you come to the Psalms, let the genre do its work. I mean, what better medicine, right? When you need comfort and inspiration or you need drive or motivation. Sometimes you need somebody to put the message in a way that's going to inspire you. Because maybe just the dead letter, you know what I mean? Just the words on a paper, on a page may not inspire you. Whereas it's like, <clears throat> you know, some guys when they're going to commit crime, like they put on grime. You know what I'm saying? That's what they listen to in the car on the way. Because it will hype them up. You know what I'm saying? And it's, is, it, is it any surprise they commit violent crime if they're listening to violent grime? Or trap? Another illustration. When you, you, you know when you, when you need to complete an hour workout in the gym? An hour, you know. <laughs> Some of you, yeah, that's calm. Like Pastor E. It's calm. Like Pastor E's on a swimming thing. Like Lent, you know, man's is swimming an hour a time. I was like, whoa, an hour. And he's, yeah, he's like, I'm not swimming the whole time, but have a little breaks in between. But. but even if you're fit, like an hour in the gym ain't no joke, right? So what do you do? You put on music, you know what I'm saying? Like dance music and, you know what I mean? That kind of music that's going to get you motivated and, you know what I mean? And it's like, it's like insanity. I remember when Shabazz introduced us to insanity. Literally, I mean, it's, 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 it's literally what it says on the tin. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but they got a cut-down version called T25. And I've got the DVDs. And every now and again, I do it at home. I try and do it maybe, I try and do it twice a week. But it ended up being once a month or something like that. But I try. You feeling me? No more gym membership. Banda. I wasted too much money on gym membership that I never used. But when you watch these videos, you know what I'm saying? They're doing their thing, right? But they always got that music playing in the background. Because it, it contributes to kind of helping when you need comfort. That's not the kind of music you listen to, right? When you need comfort. This is the kind of music you listen to when you need comfort in. You draw for some Adele. <laughs> you see Adele, yeah? Modern day psalmist. I'm not even joking. Why do you think her music's multi-platinum? And people love her. Why? Because she's real. I don't know if you know anything about you. Might be, oh, you know, Pastor Rob, I don't really listen to secular music. That's cool. Because I didn't for years. And I was a DJ when I got saved. You know what I mean? But like I said, I went for a bit of a renaissance over the past few years where I feel like the Lord has given me liberty to be able to listen to secular music, you know what I'm saying, and not get sucked in. And be able to appreciate, especially, especially now I'm talking about the Psalms, be able to appreciate it for its artistic value. And, I mean, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But people love Adele because she's so real. And, and, and the thing is, if you're happy and you're in a healthy relationship, you ain't trying to listen to Adele. But you see, when you get dumped... <laughs> Hello, <laughs> it's me, right? When you mash up, you know what I'm saying? 
That's what you want to hear. <laughs> Even though you know there's no hope for the relationship, you know. It's gone, finished, mush up. But you listen to a bit of Adele and it gives you some comfort because you're like, oh, maybe I should have said this and maybe it would have changed things. And it's too late yet. Triple platinum. <laughs> and you see like it's Valentine's weekend as well. <laughs> Bear views on a thing. And talking about YouTube. You probably can't see it from where you're sitting. But you see those numbers underneath her video in terms of views? It's one thing to get thousands of views. It's another thing to get millions of views. 2,483,314,000 views and counting. Like I said, this weekend, probably a couple, couple, couple extra mil. Easy. <laughs> Easy. Nearly two and a half billion views. You don't think that she's a psalmist? You don't think she's bringing... Some other stats with reference to Adele. You know, she's... She's, she's only released three albums. Like, one of them is the greatest hits. And that 1988 thing, I think that's a little EP. I'm saying, and she's and, and it's clever. I love it. The first one she done, she called it 19. The next one 21, 20. That, 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 that's her age when she done the album. You know what I mean? And um, 21 is the highest selling studio album in the last 20 years. 20. At a certain point, when they when she released 21, right? If you look at all the music that sold in the week that she released that, 42 percent of all the music that was sold on the planet was Adele. 21 is the most successful album of the millennium. 25, the later album, is the, was the fastest selling album of all time. She holds a record of 37 weeks at number one on the UK album charts. Now, I'm not saying you should go listen to Adele, you know, for comfort. But how many of you know millions of people go to Adele for comfort? Billions of people. Let me correct that. How about this lady? Whitney Houston, man. Break my heart out here, man. I was up late Wednesday night. <clears throat> Obviously, I'm thinking about these things. Up late Wednesday night and... Um, there was a documentary. I don't know if you, any of you saw it about her life. I'm not even joking. Like Helen was sleeping in the bed next to me, snoring. And there's me watching, bawling, you know. I literally was crying. I was weeping. Absolutely mush. Especially when they got to, right at the end, they left the big tune right to the end, didn't it? I will always love you. Oh my gosh. I was just, I was a mess. And see, this is the power of poetry. Metaphor. It's powerful. 
don't, you can't listen to hardly any of her songs and not be moved. You know what I'm saying? It's powerful. When you don't know what to say, these modern day psalmists, they speak for you. They perfectly communicate the words that you can't articulate. A lie? In a few weeks' time, we'll come back to some of the specific psalms that emotively illustrate this. Today, I just, wanna, I just want you to understand the genre. It's poetry. Now, let's look at Psalm 1, like I encouraged us to do a little while ago. Now, you might be like, but Pastor, Pastor Rob, we done Psalm 1 last week. Hmm. Well... I don't know how long we're going to actually spend in Psalm 1. Mm-hmm. But I know I couldn't finish it today. <laughs> I'm learning, you know. I'm learning. Because we'd have been here at least another extra half an hour when we get to the end of, obviously, what I'm presenting now. Um, <clears throat> so Psalm 1, as I said last week, we outlined the fact that there are only two fundamental types of people in the world. Right? And just looking at the text and the way, obviously, I've laid it out, hopefully you can see that. And I tried to kind of prove that last week. The two types of people in the world is the righteous, right, the blessed, and the unrighteous or the wicked, right? And you can see descriptions of both in that psalm quite clearly. Do you remember that? And um, you've got the blessed who don't do certain things and you've got the benefit and the, the fruit, quote-unquote, that comes from their life. And then you've got the, the unrighteous. And then in, in verse 6, you've got the summary kind of of the both. And just like any good piece of literature, especially poetry, you should be able to go back and peel back even different, more layers of different meaning. Right? Like if you go back and, and listen more carefully to a, a song. You ever listen to a song and then you thought you'd known that song for years, go back and listen to it again, you're like, oi. And it moves you differently. Okay? <laughs> what more can we see here in Psalm 1? Notice how he uses a contrast in verse 1 to explain the actions of the blessed man or woman, if you like, by highlighting not what he does, but what he doesn't do. Not highlighting what she does, but what she doesn't do. Can you see that? And, and that's poetic. Or taking that poetic license. First of all, he tells you what the person doesn't do. Why? Because he wants to emphasize what they do do. Right? Which is delight themselves. The person doesn't delight in the counsel of the wicked or the way of sinners or that of the... That, of, that the perspective of those who sit in the seat of scoffers. Right? Verse 2. But 
His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates. How often? Day and night. Day and night. Does that even sound realistic? Hmm. Day and night. Can you see what he prefers? I mean, for you to meditate on something day and night, like 24 hours a day, it must be your delight. Makes sense, right? That stands to reason, right? But remember, it's metaphoric. In the sense that, I love tea so much, I could drink all the tea in China. No, you couldn't. But I don't mean literally, right? I mean metaphorically. I'm so, un I'm so hungry, I could eat what? A horse. No, you couldn't. Well, I don't mean literally. I'm so full, right? If I eat any more, I'm going to... No, you're not. Well, not literally, you know what I'm saying? See, it cleverly communicates a sentiment. It's what they call hyperbole, right? Taking a thought to an extreme in order to make a powerful point. I'm just trying to tell you how hungry I am. <laughs> you know what I mean? Allow me. Meditating. Meditating. This is what the person does versus what they don't do. Meditating. It's not, it's not all that the person ever does. Right? Imagine if you did that. Meditating. In silence, you know. You'd need to get into seclusion to meditate every single minute of every single hour of every single day. True? But remember, it's metaphoric. It's metaphoric. And... You know, if you're at work here and someone asks you a question, let's say you were the person who was meditating literally 24 hours a day. Someone asks you a question, you'd be like, please don't ask me trivial questions because I'm meditating in the word of God. Right? I mean, unless, I mean, unless you're a woman, you can do two things at once. I know for me, I can only do one thing at a time. You're like, bro, it's, it's like... It's, you're like me then. So it's, it's an overgeneralization then. Generally speaking. You know what I mean? All the women said, yeah, amen. Right? Most of the women. But can you see? This is not 24 hours a day. A literal thing. And someone will say, yes, it is. Well, yes, it is. And I'll prove it to you by going to a monastery. And how many of you know that's what some people have done? That's what some people do. They take this literally and feel like, I cannot, I cannot do anything that prevents me from meditating in this fashion, literally. Like, I, not even can you not talk to me, I can't talk to me. Vow of silence. Am I, am I making this up? You see what happens when you take this too, too, far, too, too, too far and extreme? It's poetry. 
Meditating. Meditating can also be translated mumbling. Now this don't, this don't, this don't mean I, I recommend mumble rap because that's a part of the topic today. You know what I mean? Because I, I can't understand mumble rap. But in a sense, this mumbling is this meditating. It's hearing God's word or reading it and then thinking about it. It helps to memorize it because then you don't have to look at it to meditate on it. If you've memorized it, you can actually walk around and be meditating on it because you can call it back to remembrance and it's a little bit like the cow chewing the cud. You know, cows have got something like, is it, is it five bellies? And when they chew the cud, they chew it, swallow it, and then, forgive me, they re that's a good word, they regurgitate it, could have said that in another way, and they bring it back up again, and they chew it again, and they get a different kind of um, nourishment from that same going over something, listening, and, you know, you can do that if you memorize whatever it is you're thinking about, and whatever you're, you're memorizing or meditating ain't always the word of God. But you will extract something from it that will either contribute to nourishing you or otherwise. Meditating. Repeating it to, your, to yourself. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me. Imagine walking around. This is what's going around in your mind. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Now you, now you see where I got the noise-canceling headphone bar from. Because when you begin to think about that psalm in that sense, you kind of transcend, you know what I'm saying, your circumstances. Can you see that? Meditating. And if you do it regularly, go back to work, same person comes ask you the question. Frazzled, you know. But you're not frazzled. And you're able to respond while they're frazzled, trying to ask this crazy question, need answers immediately. You're not frazzled. You've got peace. And people can talk to you at work and you listen. <laughs> because you've been meditating. But you know what's, you know what's interesting? <clears throat> when they ask you the question, when you're standing at the bus stop, when you are wherever you are, if you've been meditating... What you're actually able to now do is filter everything that comes to you. That's why when they're frazzled, you don't need to be. It don't change the circumstances, you know. It's peak, it's mad, whatever it is. But you don't, you don't necessarily have to respond like that because of where you've been. Now, you ain't been nowhere apart from metaphorically speaking. Right? And everything that comes your way, you're able to filter it because of what 
you've been meditating on. It's like even when I was watching the, the Whitney Houston documentary, I was filtering everything. And very importantly, I was filtering my emotions. It didn't mean that I didn't have them. I told you, I was a blubbering mess in the bed. But like, I was weeping. Even as I, when I thought about it again this morning and just kind of looking at my notes, it's like I started to well up again. I looked at her picture and then I, I, I clicked on, because I couldn't remember the big tune, even though it's a big tune, and then I saw it on YouTube and then it had the picture of her. I don't know if she's about to hit that special note and I t the, the tears just started to come to my, just started rolling down my face again. And I'm saying, but what I was able to do by the grace of God is all of that, all of the information, imagine you think about her history and the fact that she actually comes from a Christian home and used to sing gospel and, and then you see where her life ended. And I'm saying, apart from even knowing that, you listen to her music and it mash you up. But then on top of that, you understand the history, finish, finish. But everything I was able to filter and because if I didn't, I could have ended up in a different place. You know what I'm saying? Starting to think about my woes, starting to think about, my, you know, you know, you can, you know, I've been married this October for nearly, not quite, nearly three decades. But you know what? Listening to that music, if I'm not careful, you know what I mean? If I, if, if you and me ain't been meditating on God's word and that stuff comes in unfiltered, there's certain tunes I cannot even listen to. There's a couple of tunes that I've downloaded and got them on my phone and I can really enjoy some old school, some old rare grooves and tune by the futures. You know, futures, ain't, you ain't got time for nothing. You know, that's a Christian tune. I didn't even realize. It was only, like, listen, I was like, wait. Check that tune. Yeah. <laughs> ain't got time for nothing. It's the futures. It's pretty much basically talking about we ain't got time because Jesus is coming back. We ain't got one of the biggest rare groove tune you ever heard, if you know anything about rare groove. But I, I can listen to that. It's all good. But you know what? I can't listen to, is it John, John, Johnny Paul? Paul? Me and Mrs. Jones. We got a thing going on. We, Billy Paul. We both know that it's wrong, but it's much too strong. For me to, listen, if I start meditating on that, my 30-year marriage could end up going down the drain. Now, I'm not saying you can't listen to that, but you better be filtering that. <laughs> so I'm watching this thing, but I'm filtering everything, and especially my emotions. You know what I mean? I had, looking at Whitney Houston... You know, because it's in my lifetime, isn't it? She's probably, she probably would have been about my age, maybe a little bit older than me. You know what I'm saying? But in that moment, I had, I had an existential moment. I was moved by her incredible artistry. But how many of you know, I'm not about to go and buy the whole of Whitney Houston's back catalogue and, you know and set up a shrine to her in my spare room. You know what I mean? I'm not about to go buy Adele tickets. 
you know what I'm saying, and get there early, like the night before, and go run down to the front, you know what I'm saying, and I see her start stripping off my clothes like I'm a madman, raising my hands and singing, Adele, I love you. <laughs> Screaming, Adele, save me. Adele can't save me. She's, no doubt she's a functional savior. You know what I mean? That is, is some, is, she's someone you can go to and she'll give me momentary relief. That's a functional savior. And name it. Name your idol. You know what I mean? And the thing is, I mean, is it Martin Luther? Um, I know I've heard Tim Keller quote, probably Luke, Martin Luther. The heart is an idol-making factory. You know what I mean? And it's, we can laugh at kind of the, 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 the screaming fan, you know what I'm saying, at an Adele concert. Or name your name. <laughs> we, get, we get closer to home when we start naming the artists that we like. You may not be f- feeling Adele, but they can only provide momentary rest. How many of you know I need a real savior. You know what I'm I need a savior that has qualifications. You know what I mean? And the last time I checked, whether it's Buddha, Krishna, Muhammad, name the quote-unquote religious individual. You know what I'm saying? None of them were sinless and none of them didn't die for me. And I'm saying, and none of them, even if they had, didn't come back from the dead. But Jesus did. Therefore, we got, we got this rationale for putting our trust in him. You know what I mean? I think, was it Judith earlier? I can't, it sounded like Judith. I can't, maybe it wasn't. Um, quoted Matthew 11, where Jesus says, come unto me. See, all them other preachers and teachers, historically speaking, they will point you to the way of salvation. Oh, you want to get, you know, you want to know God? Then do this. You want to know God? Like, clear your mind. You know what I'm saying? You want to know God? Oh, five, I've got the five pillars for you. Yeah, this is what you need to do. You want to know God? You know what I'm saying? And it's, it's a bit like you're drowning in the water and someone on the side shouting instructions like, oh, swing one arm in front of the other and in the other arm in front of you ever tried to teach someone to swim? Verbally, you know what I'm saying? Pass the E. Maybe you, maybe you could do that, but you know what I mean? Someone shouting instructions to you ain't helping you. You know what you need? You need someone to dive in and rescue you chatting about this is how you swim from the, from the... I need you to... I'm saying functional saviors, you know what I'm saying? And even these quote-unquote religious saviors, they don't compete. They can't compare to my savior. You know what I mean? Um... And how I many of you know that's good news? When you can't swim, Jesus jumps in and rescues you. Wow. Good news. <laughs> Jesus says, come to me, and I'm saying, and I will give you rest. You who are weary and heavy, and heavy laden, you know. Elevating and worshiping pop stars and their music can't save. We can enjoy their music to some degree, but boy. <laughs> but... How many of you know that's what people do? 
2.4 billion hits proves that. But that is what people do. And particularly because they're not able to filter what they hear, what they see, what they feel, emotion, in terms of their emotions. They're not able to filter. And that's because they don't meditate on the word of God. And people don't just arrive at that place of false worship. How many of you know that? Look at the progression. Let's look closer at verse 1. And actually, let me move it down and then let me isolate verse 1 and 2. And, um, and let me look, watch me change the emphasis of verse 1. You see that? Okay. The verse ain't changing you know. This is not magic. I'm not putting in words that weren't there. Right? Blessed is the man, notice, who walks, stands, sits. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. And we talked about his delight. Can you see the poetic progression? Walking, standing, sitting. Now remember, the blessed man or the righteous person, they gravitate to the Lord in verse 2. You see, where they, see what their delight is, right? His law or his word. I mean, you know how good it is, you know what I'm saying? Can you see the direction of their gravitational pull? While the opposite is true for the unrighteous or the wicked person. See, they get sucked in. That is sucked in the wrong direction. And it's gradual, it's little by little. Starts off by walking. Then all of a sudden, standing, stop walking, standing now, and oh, sitting. Starts off by walking. That is associating. You know what I'm saying? You're walking with a group of people. Don't mean that you're one of them, but you're definitely associating with them. And you know, it might just be a one-off. But in some way, shape, or form, you're indirectly linked to them, right? But then you're seen again and again associating with this group. How many of you know this is how grooming works? Have you, have you ever seen um, a new film that came out 2019? Kind of like a, like a short film on kind of knife violence called Amani. I think some of us have seen it. My gosh, absolute incredible short film. Like Google it when you get home. Amani, A-M-A-N-I. And um, <clears throat> you see how kind of like the grooming thing works in there. I mean, there's a lot in there, but grooming, you know what I'm saying? You get associated with, with somebody and over a protracted period of time when, 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 when you find that there's a progression. It moves from just walking to this standing. If you keep walking, that is associating. It's not long before you start standing, even taking a stand with a group or with a perspective that you never held before. These are no longer just associates now. These ain't just people you see me with now and again. Oh, wait a minute. These are not my people. 
what they stand for, that's what I'm repping. That's what I stand for now. Obviously, the question has to be asked, who are you walking with? Literally and metaphorically. And notice, if you stand here, right? So I'm just moving from verse 1 and 2 and the emphasis that I'll just refer to back to the, the text of, of Psalm 1. If, <clears throat> notice, if you stand here with the wicked in verse 1, you cannot stand in the congregation of the righteous in verse 5. There are only two ways to live. And how many of you know, you can't go left and right at the same time. So walk in. Walk in. Eventually, after the natural process of time, leads to standing. I mean, otherwise you're going like, to, like, you'd be the Forrest Gump of walking. Like, you've got to stop at, at some point. And, but what happens here is, the progression moves from walking to standing, which then leads to what? Sitting. Now, you've taken it to another level. Now you've assumed a, a position of comfort. You're now right at home. When you were walking, you might not have been sure. You're kind of there, but you're not really there. Right? Even when you were standing... You could have been standing there thinking, this is a madness. What am I doing here? But when you're sitting, how many of you know you're committed? You're convincingly committed. You are now devoted. You're actually unwavering. You're bound. Before you were taking advice, now... You're giving it. Before, when you were walking and even standing, you were taking instruction. Now you're the instructor. Before you were one who just walked in the counsel of the wicked, then progressively took your stand in the way of sinners. Now you are the very scoffer, scoffing the scorner sitting in the very same seat. Let me just remind you, this is poetry. How many of you know this is a powerful, poetic presentation of the progression, I'm going to use a big word now, antithetically speaking. That means it's the opposite. It's using a contrast, which is what poetry does. That's why it's so powerful. Not once does the writer point the finger at the unrighteous man like, look at what you do. He points to the righteous man and says what he will not do. See, unrighteous people aren't unrighteous just because of what they do. Unrighteous people are unrighteous because of who they are. On another level, this passage, 
isn't just talking about good people and bad people. It's actually about one good person, one good person, and all the other bad people. And you're like, Robert, what on earth do you mean? Well, if God spares my life, I'll tell you next week. I'm going to invite the team to come. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this book within your book. This book of Psalms. Thank you for their construction. Father, we haven't even really begun to deal with the the meat of the Psalms. We're only at the intro. But Father, I'm praying that you would help us to understand The poetic power of the Psalms before we even dive in. Father, I pray that you'd help us to be like the wise man, the righteous man in this poem. That we would that we would have the same passion that he has for you. And for your word. I should say for your word. But fundamentally for you. And that we would meditate. On this word. That we wouldn't ignore it. That we wouldn't neglect it. But we would meditate on it. Because it can save our lives. Lord. Help us not to walk. And then finally. And then eventually end up standing. And then. And then finally, eventually end up sitting in a place that we don't want to find ourselves. Recognizing that that is eventually the place of judgment. Lord, I ask that you would help us. To take the wisdom. To take the advice that's being given. And that we'd be wise as the Psalms perpetually and consistently instruct. In in Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.